Well, hello, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. This is Tobias Rex, and this is the Sharks, Dinosaurs, and Mythical Creatures podcast coming at you right now. For today's episode, I'm going to be discussing the sharks from a very popular shark movie, one of the most famous ones of all time. Don't know what it is? Maybe this music will give you a hint. Right, folks, today's episode is going to be on the sharks from the 1999 movie Deep Blue Sea. The information I got is from the Villains Wiki and from another website. Here we go. Sharks, it is said, are all teeth and muscle and have been doing two things very efficiently for hundreds of billions of years, moving and eating. And Deep Blue Sea kind of resembles a shark because it moves ceaselessly without stopping and someone gets eaten from time to time. The main summary is that is that a scientist named Susan McAllister, played by Saffron Burroughs, has devised a way to use the brain tissue of sharks to cultivate a substance that might be useful in fighting Alzheimer's disease. And a big corporation underwrites the research and states it at a deep, uh, at a deep sea station with, with aquatic pens and underwater labs. After one of the sharks escapes and tries to attack a boat, the, the head of the corporation, Russell Franklin, played by Samuel L. Jackson, pays a visit to the station and meets the other characters, including Carter Blake, played by Thomas Jane, a Bible-quoting cook, Sherman Preacher Dudley, played by LL Cool J, and crew members Janice Higgins, played by Jacqueline McKenzie, Tom Scoggins, played by Michael Rappaport, Jim Whitlock, played by Stellan Skarsgård, and Brenda Kearns, played by, played by Aida Turturro. And, and some of these characters do turn up on the shark menu, although, and, and although, uh, although the timing and manner of their ingestion is often so, uh, the, although the timing and manner of their ingestion is often so unexpected that I'll say nothing more. The shark attacks are intercut with a desperate escape plot after storms and explosions incapacitate the, the facility, and the characters are trapped below the waterline with three intelligent, bloodthirsty sharks. These three mako sharks were, were, were genetically engineered to produce protein complex from their brains that will serve as a cure to reactivate human brain cells. And according to one of the researchers in the movie, uh, one of the sharks' brains was increased to five times the normal size. And, and as a result of that, the, the, the sharks got smarter and more dangerous than ever, allowing them to, to develop an ability to swim backwards and roar, which is two things a normal shark can't do and develop a taste of their own kind, such as the time when the crew released a tiger shark into the test shark's pen and was instantly devoured. And this incident puts Aquatica, the name of the facility in which the sharks were tested, finances at risk. So, so Chimera Pharmaceuticals um, sends Russell Franklin to investigate. Now I'm going to discuss my favorite scenes of the movie. My first favorite scene is, is, is the big lab test scene. How, how that plays out is when the day of the test is about to begin, Susan has Carter round up the largest shark into the lab, after having it sedated and put to sleep, of course. But when the shark wakes up, Carter attempts to tranquilize it again, but then Susan releases it back into its pen, most likely with the concern that tranquilizing it twice in such a short amount of time could be fatal. Uh, uh, another scene I like is when Preacher kills the first shark by throwing a lighter at its head um, as revenge for killing his pet parrot and trapping him in his own oven. I also like how Susan manages to kill the second shark by electrocuting it with, with a power cable 
And one of my favorite parts of that scene is when the shark, the shark was snarling and growling in pain as its life was being drained. And this was, it was a success, but her remaining research was destroyed in the process. My, my third favorite scene is when Susan, Carter, and Preacher finally reach the surface, and Pe Preacher ends up being dragged by his leg by the third and final shark, the big one. But, but, but he manages to swim to safety by stabbing the shark in the eye with his crucifix, forcing it to roar loudly in pain and let him go. And after tending to Preacher's injured leg, Susan and Carter learn of a horrible realization. The, uh, the, the, the sharks have been hurting them, pushing them where they want, using them to flood the facility just so they, so just, just so they can escape through the fence and into the ocean. And, 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 and the fences were titanium underneath, but on, top, but on top they were just plain steel. Pretty strange. And realizing, realizing that the big shark is too dangerous to be set free into the wild, Susan decides that she and Carter would have to kill it. And Carter devised a plan to kill the big shark. What he would do is that, is that he would fire a harpoon filled with dynamite powder at the shark, and once it hits it, Susan would have to connect the, uh, the trailing wire to the positive side of a boat battery. And, and, and at that moment, it will, send, it will send an electric current towards the shark to blow it up. And, but, uh, but however, the monster, shark, the monster shark is too far away and too deep for, for Carter to get a clear shot. And, uh, and in, a last, in, in a last minute effort to get the shark's attention, Susan cuts her hands and dives into the water, causing the big shark to smell her blood. And, and, uh, and then after smelling the blood, uh, the shark backs away from the fence, turns and, and starts to swim towards Susan. And, and Susan tries to swim to safety with, with the shark hot on her, hot on her trail. But, and, and, how, and Susan gets to the wall and she tries to climb out by, um, by, by, by grabbing onto by grabbing on, onto a rail just, just above the water. But, uh, but the ladder, but it breaks and despite its car, and, 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 and she's face to face with the giant shark. Carter jumps into the water to, to try and save her, but the giant shark devours Susan whole, right in front of Carter's face. But despite Susan's death, her effort, but despite Susan's death, her effort was enough to get to, for Carter to get the shark at firing range. And, but, but since Carter was in the water, uh, the shark was heading right for him. And when the shark opened his mouth and bared his teeth, uh, Carter swam up out of the way at the last second and, and, and grabbed onto the dorsal fin, hitching a ride on the massive predator. And Preacher, and Preacher uh, who was recovered uh, but still brutally injured and in pain, um, uh, gets up and grabs the spear gun and, and injured at the shark and while well, with Carter still on its back. And, and, and Preacher and Preacher's, Preacher successfully fired the shark, fired the harpoon at the shark and it did hit the fin, but it pierced Carter's leg in the process. And, 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 then, and then Preacher let go of the spear gun and it started, and started trailing with the shark in the water. But, as uh, and and, as the sh and the shark starts turning th through the walls underwater, uh, try trying to find the exit. And as the and and as as the giant shark finally finally uh, attempts to free itself out into the open sea, uh, Carter frees himself from the harpoon as, as as preacher connects the trailing wire to the battery. And as a result of that, 
the giant shark blows up into many pieces, avenging the deaths of the rest of the team, much to both Carter and Preacher's relief. Now I'm going to now I am going to discuss what the sharks uh, how the sharks work uh, compared to real sharks. Um, and even the, and that is even though they are still inst instinctive and regular sea predators, these sharks were obviously savage, resentful, and bitter to towards the scientists for their experiment on them. One given therapy gene on their brains enhanced their intelligence, and, and, and that made the mago sharks become more aware of their surroundings than ever. For example, uh, for example, like one of the sharks, one of the sharks threw a stretcher at the underwater window's glass, so the water would flood the whole facility as it was fully aware that it cannot stalk humans without water to breathe uh, because it uses its gills. And given that they chose to kill all humans first before fleeing out into the open ocean, they believed that they won't be free as long as all the humans in Aquatica are still alive. Unfortunately for them, this also led to their demise. The animatronic sh the, the sharks that were used in Deep Blue Sea were, were reused in Shark Night as well as in some stock footage that you can find on Getty Images. Now I'm going to discuss the behind the scenes of this movie. When he was growing up in Australia, screenwriter, uh, screenwriter Duncan Kennedy saw the remains of a shark attack victim which had washed up near his home. And he said this to the Los Angeles Times. There was really not much left of him. And he had nightmares about being trapped in a passageway with sharks that could read his mind. And he channeled those dreams and his childhood experience into the script about sharks whose brains have been modified by scientists, making them smarter and more, much more deadly. And most of Deep Blue Sea was shot at Baja Studios in Mexico, where and that's actually the same place where where, where massive tanks for the Titanic was filmed. The cast worked with animatronic robot sharks, and they used their imaginations to, to substitute that for CGI sharks that would be filled in later. But, but but after the shoot at Baja was wrapped, director Rennie Harlan insisted that the cast head to head to the Bahamas to shoot with real sharks. And um, and Thomas Jane, who played Shark Wrangler Carter Blake, was not happy about this. This is what he said in a DVD special feature in his words. I've been scared of sharks all my life ever since I saw Jaws. And Kennedy told this to Los Angeles Times. The problem with approaching a shark movie is how do you do it without repeating Jaws? He also, uh, and he also said that in order to, in his words, do Spielberg one better... Harlan made the largest Mako shark 26 feet long, whereas Jaws was only 25. And in real life, short fin Mako sharks reach 10 feet on average, although some specimens as big as 12 feet have, um, have been caught, and long fin Makos reach as long as 13.7 feet. And the filmmakers created Deep Blue Sea's monstrous Makos with, with a combination of visual effects and animatronic sharks. And Harlan said this in DVD special features. My whole approach to this movie was no more hiding sharks. Like this time, you're this time you're going to really see them, and that's a challenge because we've seen sharks on the Discovery Channel. We know what they look like, so our sharks had to be totally convincing. the The special effects team, headed by Walt Conti, who who built Willy, uh, the animatronic killer whale for the movie Free Willy, and the snakes for the film Anaconda, spent eight months on the animatronic sharks. Wow. Like it's two thirds of a year, and and this is what Conti said in the film in the film's uh, production notes. The number the 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 number one thing about capturing uh, the number one thing about capturing sharks is getting their energy. They're always cruising kind of slowly, 
and then they, and then they snap and just and, and just go with this incredible burst of energy. In that way, most of the time, sharks are somewhat lethargic. So probably our biggest challenge was to was to replicate that speed and energy for those lunges. Also, sharks' jaws actually float in their skulls, giving them a specific kind of motion. As far as I know, we're the first animatronics team to, to totally mimic the jaw of the shark, because when a shark opens its mouth, its jaws literally come out of the mouth. And to get the job done, the, the, the team watched videos of real mango sharks swimming frame by frame, then they borrowed equipment and technology that was normally used in 747 airplanes, and they built the sharks as self-contained units. The remote control animatronic sharks had 1,000 horsepower engines, weighed 8,000 pounds, and swam on their own without the use of wires, and, and in up to 30 miles an hour. They built, they built four sharks, three 15-foot Makos, which played the first-gen sharks, and, 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 one, and one Generation 2 shark, and, and, that was, and that represented the Gen 2's 26-foot-long monster. And the effect was quite realistic. And, and, this is, and this is what Stellan Skarsgård said. He's the guy who played Jim Whitlock. He said, the first time I saw one of those animatronic sharks, I thought it was a real one. And Samuel Jackson uh, uh, said in his words, when they, first, when they first brought the animatronic shark into the lab, we were all in awe of the size of this machine. It was a real monster. I would walk up to it slowly and touch it. And they said it felt like a real shark. The gills moved and it had a mind of its own sometimes. And, Har and Harlan recounted uh, and Harlan recounted one of those times in a DVD documentary. What he said was that one shark was sitting in Susan McAllister's room, and just as we were getting the computer programming finished, um, it, it all of a sudden leapt up and went through the ceiling. All of these two-by-fours two were flying away like matchsticks, and it was a good warning for us. It gave us an idea of the awesome power of these creatures and how careful we had to be in terms of the cast and crew being close to them and how the computer pro program had to have fail-safe procedures so nobody got hurt. In the beginning of this film, shark wrangler Carter Blake removes the license plate from the teeth of a tiger shark. And if you, t and if you look close enough, you will notice that it's the exact same license plate that was taken from the tiger shark that was cut open in the movie Jaws. Harlan called that, in his words, a little uh, he called it a little nod to our Grandmaster Spielberg. And... Harlan asserts in a DVD uh, uh, commentary that, uh, in his words, a lot of information regarding sharks is very, very accurate. Obviously, because it's a movie, we take license. Movie we take license with some of the stuff they're doing, in terms of Alzheimer research. And the fact is that the sharks have been used a lot to study to find out why these creatures have been around for 400 million years, why they never stop, why they never get cancer, and they never sleep, and they never stop moving. And maybe it was accurate at the time, but now we do know that sharks do get cancer, and although they don't sleep like humans do, they do have periods of rest, so they nap, so to speak. And the idea that, shark, that, that sharks never stop moving comes from the thought that, that they need to keep water flowing over their gills or else they'll die. But that doesn't apply, but that doesn't apply to, all, to all sharks, as there are bottom dwellers, like the nurse shark, the wabigong shark, and the epaulette shark. Well, that's going to be it for today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, be sure to like and subscribe to my podcast. It comes out weekly. Uh, this is Tobias Rex saying Godspeed and signing off.